Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Mike Russin. So I wanted to just get it out there publicly. I'm starting 75 hard. I am on day three. I love this challenge. I've completed it once uh, back in 2016 or 17, and I want to do it again because I've done it two or three times since then and failed, um, and it's always the drinking that gets me. So if anybody doesn't know what 75 hard is, you know, Andy Frisella, who I absolutely just adore, uh, developed this challenge quite some time ago. 75 hard's been around for years and years. Uh, and then it kind of hit mainstream and, uh, he turned it into, there's like live hard. He's got additional challenges, but 75 hard is this, it's 75 days. And if I remember correctly, you need to drink a gallon of water a day. You need to stick to a diet with no cheat meals. You need to read 10 pages of a self-development or self-help book or a business book, something that's going to help you grow. You need to work out twice a day, 45 minutes each at least, one inside, one outside, and no alcohol. Oh, and you have to take a progress picture every single day. If you miss a single step, doesn't matter if you're on day 67 or day three, you start over and go all the way back. So if you're on day 70 out of 75 and you forget a progress picture, you go all the way back to day one. You're on day 74 out of 75 and you have a sip of alcohol, you go all the way back to day one. I think that this is such an important challenge for people to do because it really tests your discipline. At the end of the day, it really tests your personal discipline and resolve. And I feel like if you can complete this, you could do just about anything. I really do. I really truly believe that this is such a foundational I really do believe that this is such a foundational building exercise to develop discipline and resolve in your life. Because this is the thing, is that people will get to day 12 and they'll be like, oh, I did 12 days, that's good enough, and then they'll quit, right? And they'll be like, well, I get it. I, I understand the point of the challenge. No, you don't because you didn't make it to day 75. You don't understand. So I think it's such a cool challenge to do because it really, like I said, it tests your internal resolve, your your internal discipline in every it's interesting. Every single book I'm reading right now, uh, except for the science fiction ones, I'm reading two of those. And the brothers Karamazov, 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 whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anybody that's read the Fedor, whatever. Um, you know, I'm reading a book called The Slight Edge. I'm reading Ed Milet's new book. I'm reading Managing Oneself. And what I notice with every single one of these books is that the principles of success do not change across the board. Like all of these books say the same thing in more words or less or with different concepts. Success, the successful people in life stick with it and see it through to the end. They do the boring, not fun things every single day, day after day, regardless of how they feel until the objective is complete. And the reason why I think 75 hard is such a cool challenge is because it really shows how many people do not have what it takes to be highly successful. It really demonstrates how many people. Now, listen, here's the thing. I don't want you to be discouraged if you've done it and failed. You get back up and you, you go again. You understand what I'm saying? Like failing is only failing until you quit. Like failing is failing when you quit is what I should say. Like until you quit, you haven't failed. It's the people that quit and never go back and start again that are failures. So I think 75 hard is a good way to gauge your level of internal discipline and resolve when it comes to commitment 
in doing things that are boring and monotonous. What is 75 days in the scope of your life? You know what I mean? And I might fail this, but I'm, I'm resolving not to. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to put this out there publicly and talk about what I'm doing publicly because it holds me accountable, right? So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. I would encourage you. I've got a group going right now. You're more than welcome to join. You can join. Even though you're three days behind me, I got a kid in there that's on day 20. His name's Jordan or 22 or 23 by now. Um, you're more than welcome to join uh, us and, 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 and do this challenge. So let us talk about the second thing that I wanted to discuss today, which is my faith. And I feel the need to talk about this because if I have a platform and I don't use it for God, then shame on me. He should take it away from me and it should be trampled underfoot, right? So I wanted to talk about this because I've had a lot of questions regarding my faith recently. A lot of really good questions regarding my faith and what I believe in specifically. I think most people know that I'm a Christian. I do make mistakes. I swear on this podcast and you know, I, I've, I've made other mistakes historically, but I really am trying to live the life of a Christian. I've become more and more devout, especially recently with my faith. And I want to talk about it because it's very, very important. And I hope that you will hear me out and listen to the duration of this podcast because it could change your life. You know, so people understand Christianity, I think, in a general sense. But then again, I feel like they misunderstand it in very general and specific senses as well. And I really want to clear the air as to what exactly I believe in and why I believe in what I believe in. You know, anytime I've walked away from God in my life, I've paid the price. I've had not good things happen to me. And anytime I get closer to God, I seem to notice that there's more favor and fortune in my life as a result. Because here's the thing, if God, if I need people for my business and I have a positive impact on people and I lead them to God, why would he not give me more people? If I do good things with my money and help people with my money, why would he not give me more money? Now, careful, I'm not a prosperity gospel heretic. Okay, that's the farthest thing. But I do believe if I am a good steward of what God blesses me with, why would he not bless me with more? So I think it's so critically important that us as Christians, especially Christian men, we live outward lives of faith. And this is, this is where a lot of people mess up, is they make concessions with their beliefs it, listen to me here. Some of you really need to hear this. Some of you men out there and women too that claim to be Christians, I want you to listen to me very, very, very carefully in what I'm about to say. That some of you make small concessions to be friendlier with the world when it comes to your faith so that you don't lose friends, lose business, or get made fun of. You know, and, and I want to encourage you to remember what God says, that friendship with the world is being an enemy to God. And the last thing I want to do is be an enemy to God. That's the last thing I want to do. Friendship with the world is an enmity with God. That's the scariest thing in the world, to be an enemy of the all-seeing, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent creator of the universe. 
That's not a place where I want to be so that I can have more friends or so that I can be more accepted by general society or so that my business doesn't get attacked because of my beliefs. Shame on you. Shame on you. You know, you have to understand that everything you're accumulating, we're, we're dust, we're vapors, we're less than, like our, our life is like, our lifespan is like a minute in heaven. Like we just, boom, and in terms of the way that God is exists within time and rather the way that time exists within God, I should say. So if you spend your whole life worrying about things secular, I don't think that you're going to find your place, the place that you have in your mind in eternity that you think you're going to have. You know, you know, I believe this is this is the current like the current it's very difficult for me to drive past churches and see transgender pride flags out front and God is love this whole love 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 God is just all love and love and lovey lovey dovey lovey and this this whole and it comes down to just this feminine invasion of God is love in the church there has been a feminine invasion of god is love in the church we accept everybody for who they are we love you for who you that is so heretically biblically unsound it's heretical and biblically unsound and just plain and call it what it is it's evil this god loves you exactly for who you are is bs god does not love you for who you are who where in the bible does it say that where in the bible without pulling things completely out of context see this is the thing that you need to do you need to some most people modern christians is they know like three or four Bible passages. And, and so they pull these things out of context and it becomes their entire doctrinal statement. The Bible is a whole living being. Like it's like if I bake a cake and I leave, or if I bake bread and I don't use yeast, I'm not going to get bread. It's the same thing with the Bible. Like if you don't know numbers as well as you know Matthew, I would challenge the foundation upon which you've built your belief system. I can't have a full understanding of mathematics if I skip geometry because I don't like shapes, right? Because it's all interconnected. That's what makes mathematics so beautiful. And that's what makes the word of God even more beautiful is that it needs to be taken as a whole. So when you pull this, it's so funny to me, man, that people make Jesus out to be this just loving hippie when and then they cut out the whole part where he's coming back quite literally as vengeance, the lion of the tribe of Judah, coming back as vengeance to reclaim his throne. Like he's coming back for war and people paint Jesus out to be as this hippie 
loving, which he was. God is love. Don't get me wrong. But just like light doesn't exist without darkness and vice versa, love doesn't exist without judgment. You can't have a just God without judgment and discipline and punishment. We've removed that masculine part of the gospel that calls for repentance and sanctification. And we've replaced it with, well, God just loves you exactly the way that you are. And no matter what you do, so you could just do whatever you want all day, every day. And don't worry, you, there's a loving God who's just going to keep forgiving you and forgiving you. You, I've got some bad news for you. You're not going where you think you're going. And you, when that last breath leaves your lungs, you are not headed to where you think you're headed. I'm telling you that right now. Because the, the evidence, like a tree will be judged by its fruit, right? That's what Jesus said. And it's so funny because Jesus says so many times, he calls the way that he talks to these religious leaders, he calls them a brood of vipers and their mouths are open graves and they spit nothing but decay. And it says that the chaff will be separated from the wheat and thrown into the fire. Everybody loves to gloss over that version of Jesus, right? The whole, there's going to be consequences for your actions, Jesus, and just focuses on the, the hippie that played hopscotch, Okay. That's, that's what everybody focuses. Why? Because it's more comfortable to believe in that. So you can continue living your depraved, sick, disgusting, backwards, foul lifestyle. And even if you're not living what, I mean, either way, it's disgusting and depraved. But even if you're not openly depraved and disgusting, you're lukewarm. And that's just as bad because God says in Revelation that he would rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. You have to understand that the sign, what I was saying before is going back to the fruit is that you, the evidence of a changed heart should be evident in your life. Meaning that if you are truly saved, people think that salvation is, well, I raised my hand at a youth conference a decade and a half ago, and I said this little prayer, and now I'm good. I'm sealed. For, I'm locked up. I'm good. Where, where, where in the Bible does that say that that is how you get saved? See, this is the problem, is you've got these preachers, quote unquote, that have perverted and watered down the gospel to where it's just God is love, say this one little prayer, and then you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. <clears throat> and, you know, I it's it's scary to think about what's going to happen to these heretics when they die. It's terrifying. Terrifying to think about. Because you would when you're in a position of leadership and teaching, I think it says in Timothy, be careful. You know, if you want to be a teacher, because you're going to be judged much harsher than anybody else. Like I'm even putting myself out here. I have a platform. I'm a leader, you know, and me saying all the things I, I'm putting myself out here. Like there's, there's going to be judgment for the things that I say, good or bad. 
I hope I believe wholeheartedly that I feel a spirit in me, the spirit of God within me speaking through me right now. I'm just a vessel. Like I really believe people listening to this episode today need to hear these things because you have been lied to, you've been misled, and you've been fed this perverted, watered down version of the gospel that is literally going to send you to eternal damnation. And that terrifies me. I don't want that for any of you. God is love. Yes, but he is also judgment. In fact, he loved us so much. He gave his only son to die a brutal death. And it's, you know, it's so funny. We focus so much uh, in Christianity on the, on what we saw, which was the physical death of Christ, which was horrific. The skin stripped off his back and nailed to a piece of wood. We don't even think about like, dude, this guy spent, this this guy, Jesus, spent three days in hell with all of the sins of the world on his back. Can you imagine what he went through? Like we, we saw what happened above ground and that was bad. So God loved us so much, he paid the ultimate price for us. That's the love of God right there. The love of God is not allowing you to live as a disgusting sodomite. And just for your entire life, and because you said one prayer, you get to go to heaven. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. You have to, again, going back to what I said before, the evidence of the evidence of a changed heart should be changed mind and actions. The, the Bible uses heart and mind interchangeably, but there should be evidence in your life that you have changed. You don't do the same things you used to do. You don't speak the same way you used to speak. You 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 make, and I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. People think that salvation is all of a sudden there's this, you're, you're changed and you're just good and you don't make mistakes anymore. That's not what it is. You become disgusted with and you find your mistakes detestable. Like when you're unsaved, you continue to sin. It's just normal. You don't think twice about it. But when you're, this is the key, listen to me, when you're truly saved, you're disgusted by your sin. You find yourself disgusted with your sin. Now when I make mistakes, I'm remorseful. I don't think I've ever really been saved up until recently. I really don't think I have. I think until, I don't know when it was, maybe a month, two months ago. I don't think I was ever saved once in my life. That's a scary thing because I've been on this planet 29, about to be 30 years. I don't think I was ever saved. I said the prayer. I went to church. I grew up in a very devout Christian household. I had all the makings to be saved. I said the prayer. I went to the youth councils and the camps and sang the songs. And, but I don't think there was ever an actual change in my heart until recently. Because before I would sin i would do bad things and i would oh this is wrong i i have to ask for forgiveness i had the head knowledge right but i didn't have the heart and that's what's dangerous because so many of you listening to me are saved in your head but you're not saved in your heart you have the head knowledge but you don't have the heart knowledge and if that's you're not saved you're not saved you are in danger of hellfire and internal damnation there is a hell and you are going there until that goes from your head to your heart until when you make a mistake, you're so remorsefully disgusted with yourself that you grieve when you make a mistake, you're not saved. 
You're not. So, I would encourage you to start to really listen to and challenge and think about your beliefs and observe how you respond to sin. How do you respond to the sin in your life? How do you respond when you make mistakes? Are you remorseful? Are you disgusted with yourself? Or do you just go right back to doing what you're... As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly over and over and over and over again. So what I was saying before, you know, salvation isn't something that's a one-time thing and done and you're just changed. It's like anything going right back to 75 hard, going right back to the books that I've been reading, is that salvation and sanctification is a process And it's doing the not fun things over and over and over again and being disciplined in the execution of these things over and over and over again, day in and day out, regardless of how you feel. It's the, and I would hate to compare secular to spiritual, but the principles of success in the secular world also translate and in fact are probably born from the principles of success in the spiritual world, which is that you, you don't work hard for six months and then you're a millionaire. It just like you don't live a good, a decent life where none of us are good, but you don't live a life of sanctification for six months and expect that everything's going to change. That's the problem. That's why so many Christians, quote on air quotes, aren't really Christians. They think they're saved, but they're not because they said, again, they said one prayer or they tried it for a little bit or they show up to, to church on Sunday and they raise their hands and they sing and then they leave and they go back to the same pathetic lifestyle they've been living forever and they think they're saved because you volunteered for the, for the nursery one week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what discipline, what are you doing daily to strengthen your faith? What are you doing daily to build your relationship with God in Christ? What are you doing daily that's helping you clean up your life and become more and more sanctified day in, day, day in and day out? What are you doing? What actions and behaviors? Like, if I want to get bigger, I go to the gym, I lift weights, do a little bit of cardio every now and then, I eat right, and I'll see muscle grow, and I'll lose fat. Why do we understand that principle with physical fitness, but we don't understand it in our spiritual walks? Shame on you. Shame on you for believing. And I I can't even blame you because I was this way. Again, this is me talking to myself at the same time. I'm not just beating you guys up today. I'm beating myself up too. Because for years, I thought I was good because I said a prayer once in front of the church when I was a kid. I thought I could just keep living and living. And you know, it's funny is that God allowed me to get knocked to the dirt so many times before I finally had my wake up call. But you know what's encouraging is that a righteous man, he falls down six times and he gets up seven. He falls down six times and he gets up seven. You get emotional when I think about that. You know, I, I, it's um, in awe of the patience that God has had with me. And I'm thankful 
for that patience and you should be too. If you come to a point in your life when you're truly saved, just go back and look at all the mistakes you made and everything you've done to basically spit in his face and think to yourself, man, I'm lucky. And it's not luck, it's you're chosen. But thank God I'm chosen. That's a different conversation, Calvinism. (laughs) We'll get into that another time. That's a little bit meatier. And for, yeah, anybody wondering, I'm, 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 I guess what you would call a Calvinist. So if you don't know what that is, that's all right. We'll get into that at a different time. But man, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just on my heart to share this with you guys today and, you know, not to yell at you necessarily, but it's, you know, I think this is necessary. These kind of discussions are necessary and it's because, you know, a lot of people go to church to feel good and that's. You know, I don't go to the gym to eat donuts and lounge in a massage chair. I go to the gym to suffer and sweat and break my muscles down. It should be the same with church. Like you should go to church and come out feeling sore. But now what's the modern day gospel? It's what, can, what can God do for me? What can I'm broken. I'm this. God come and make me feel better about myself. It's... I, you know, I turned on the message, which is the Sirius XM, and half, more than half, 80% of the, the music that they play that they call gospel worship music is foul, disgusting, egotistical, man-centered BS. That's what it is. And, it's, and that's how most major gospel preachers, so as they call themselves are now it's what can jesus do for me what can god do for me i go to church to feel good i go to church to listen to a motivational speaker tell me that i can have whatever i want that jesus has got the key to my million dollars and i just gotta believe in him but believe it's a shame i I, like i said i'm terrified for what's going to happen to some of these dudes i'm terrified because it ain't going to be good these people leading people down this path. And what's worse is they take their money and they buy Rolls Royces and jets with it and tell people that if they donate to them, they're, they're going to they're gonna get their million dollars. I mean, that's... I, and that one guy, I can't remember his name, that one prosperity gospel teacher, he's a little bit of an older guy, but he's got those eyes. You ever seen that dude's eyes? The one that was like confronted outside of his private jet? I can't remember his name. Famous preacher. From like Texas, I think he's Southern, white guy, like the the brown comb over, but he's older. He's got those eyes. You can't tell me by looking at him that that ain't the devil. <laughs> you can't tell me by look look that dude in the face. Tell me that you're not looking at Satan himself. It's it is terrifying that guy's face. And people just give him money. People just you know why? Because. It's much easier to pay your way to salvation. Ooh, this is good. It's much easier. It's much more comfortable to pay your way to salvation than it is to do the internal work. It's easier to pay your way to salvation with your money than it is to do the internal work. But here's the thing is you're not paying your way to salvation. 
Uh, you're paying. You're you, you're paying for a first class ticket to hell. <laughs> it you just it's not good. It ain't good. I'm telling you right now, it's not a good. It's terrifying. And I hope y'all listen to me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I don't have a degree. I don't have. But I'll tell you what I do have is I do have a belief and I have faith. And I truly believe for the first time in my life that I'm saved. For the first time ever. I never felt it before. I questioned it constantly. I felt like a fraud, which turned me even further away from God. And I rebelled even harder because I felt like a fraud. I don't feel that way anymore. So, I don't know. That's what I got for you guys today. We'd love your feedback on this. All right. Love you guys. Bye-bye.